All right, so welcome to the second episode of the Nerd Herd. I'm Nick Aiden. First off, we would like to thank the Beatles for that great opening song called Hello Goodbye. So today we have another great episode for you called The American Zoo. First, we'll be talking about free will and that discussion in the novel. Then we'll be, t- we'll be talking about what was going on in chapters four through seven and just some of the techniques Vonnegut used throughout these chapters. And then we'll be ending our discussion today on uh, the splitting up of America that uh, Vonnegut states in Chapter 6. So right after this, we'll be starting our discussion on free will after Breaking Free by Zac Efron and Vanessa Hudgens. All right, so now our discussion on free will. So this was a very interesting topic. We saw from that Vonnegut brought up. So, uh, also, forgot to mention our other host, uh, as heard in the first episode, we got Pat Cranley here. Hello. And then our other host, Justin Darwin. Say hello, Justin. Hello. I am in Vegas right now. I'm in a He's really in Vegas right now joining this podcast. So, great dedication to the program right here. Stay yes, it is. Down there. Stay safe. Uh, so, yeah, the discussion on free will. So, to start us off, just yeah. like how he mentions it. So uh, on page 92 in my book, uh, he brings it up when he's, uh, the narrator says, uh, you sound to me as though you don't believe in free will, said Billy yeah. Pilgrim. Billy Pilgrim said that. Yeah, Billy there. Pilgrim said it. And then uh, it proceeds to say, if I hadn't spent so much time studying earthlings, said the trial Femidorian, I wouldn't have any idea what was meant by free will. I visited 31 inhabited planets in the universe, and I have studied reports on 100 more. Only on Earth is there any talk of free will. So, yeah, that's definitely an interesting quote to find the fact that us humans are the only, like, species in the whole universe to believe in free will. So, like, what is really, like, free will to us? And, like, maybe, like, why the Trail Hemondorians and just, like, other other universes don't have it? That's, I feel like, an interesting discussion. To be honest, I I don't really think here in the Earth free will is really... It's it's always, I feel like free will isn't something we, anyone can really have because if any, everyone if everyone had free will then everyone would be able to do whatever they wanted to do and that you can't live in a society like that and it would sort of be chaotic. So yeah. basically everywhere there's always rules and laws that prohibit people from doing acting certain ways and doing certain things. You can of course do that, which is like what they're saying about free will, but you really can't be and punished kind of for it. Controls. Yeah. Yeah, you're punished for it. And it so that, that kind of controls. So there's always something that's controlling you from acting certain ways. Yeah, and I feel like in America, too, we try to, like, value free will so much and say how, we're like, we're super free. And I feel like Man above free. yeah, above any other country, we really talk about that the most and how, like, we can do whatever we want here and, like, we're truly free. But as the Trail Family Dorians really said, like, our lives are already pre-decided. Billy Program mentions in Chapters 4 through 7 somewhere in there. That he already knows the day he's going to die. The Trail Fimidorians know, like, everything that's going to happen. Yeah. So, kind of open to the discussion about whether or not we're truly free and, like, how we could live out free will in our lives if things are, like, are they actually just predisposition to happen? Like, Well, it's interesting that, like, you say that because, obviously, we don't know. We can't see into the fourth dimension like Billy can or the Trail Fimidorians can. So, we don't know if it's predetermined. Um, according to them, it would be, but, like, the average person, um, you know, it's just totally left up to fate or, like, luck, whatever happens to you. 
But what I found interesting was the fact of the mention that, like, um, the trial family says no other planets um, speak of free will in the way that us um, Earthlings do, which I kind of thought of as, like, other uh, planets being, like, other countries um, and then the Earthlings just being Americans. And I always thought I always thought it was interesting how, like, only in America do you hear so much talk about, like, free will and how, like, our government is based upon it. So, like, do you guys think it's possible that, like, Vonnegut is, like, commenting on, like, America's, like, false sense of, like, righteousness? Yeah, for sure. Like, I feel like he thinks that Americans always think that we can control everything and, like, what we're doing is right no, yeah. be- just because it's free will. But, like, just because things are free will doesn't mean they're necessarily good. Like, as he mentions, like – we're like the only country or the only uh, planet that he knows that goes to war and stuff like that. Yeah. So maybe free will isn't necessarily like the best thing. thing, but like, I don't know. It's hard to say like whether or not it's a good thing. And just, it's interesting that we're the universe that believes free in will allows for like different opinions and different people wanting different things. Yeah. I also like the, uh, the quote where basically when, uh, where Vonnegut has the aliens basically sort of say that there is no really free will. We can't really control everything. Because they know how the universe ends. Like they say mm-hmm. that uh, we blow it up experimenting with new f- fuels for our flying. Never ends. A trail yeah. family Dorian test pilot presses a starter button and the whole universe disappears. So it goes. That's on 232 for my book. Um, I like how they like they know that the universe ends this way. And then when Billy Pilgrim asks them, like, are you always are you going to do anything to like stop this or like prevent this? And like they say no, because there's nothing that we can really do control this. So it's kind of like they ask, like so basically from that standpoint, like Billy uh, Vonnegut's sort of sh- showing that that he kind of believes that you can't really control your actions. You know, everything's kind of just sort of predetermined. Destinies yeah. are. <laughs> yeah, but I definitely think there's a certain aspect. So maybe like just humans though that we can control some of our actions. Like yeah, I feel can. like we make choices on a daily basis. Like maybe the universe is shaping us to do that though. So maybe mm-hmm. that's the discussion to have. Uh, but I, it's just hard for humans to admit, I bet that we don't have this thing like free will that we bank on so much and what we think makes us unique to not be in control of your life is a really hard thing to face. And like, it's a hard thing to admit that you're not in control of every decision and everything you're doing. Yeah. Like they say, um, during that, like part about the world ending it, like, he will always press the button, and we always will let him press the button. I'm not sure if that's the exact quote. Here, I have the quote, I have the quote on me right now. I can read yeah. it right now. Um, he says he has always pressed it, and he always will. He always he always let him, and we always will let him. The moment yeah. is structured that way. Yeah, it's like we can kind of affect some outcomes of our lives, but, like, what Vodka is saying is, like, the majority of what happens to us really isn't up to us, as in, like, we can only choose – to do like we could the only thing we could choose by ourselves is how we respond to other people's actions so maybe that's what um he's talking about there yeah i definitely think like free will like that's an interesting thing to examine like because does billy program even have like free will in his life because yeah. like he's being taken over by these aliens all the time mm-hmm. so yeah just, maybe he's making the realization that he can't control his life and mm-hmm. through billy pilgrim's eyes we see that maybe things aren't completely controlled by us and the universe has a set path for us already and that's like through his journeys that's what he's really seeing so free will definitely like something to think about in our own lives too and like 
whether our decisions matter that much and like what we can change and what we can't. So uh, next up, we'll be having our discussion on like Vonnegut strategies and like things he used throughout chapters four through seven. And that will be after uh, the classic What's on Your Mind by Information Society. All right, so now we're going to dive into actually what went down in chapters uh, four through seven and um, how Vonnegut was um, using, you know, talking about all of his stuff, like the remi- the reminders of the war, how he was, uh, you know, how he's building up to the importance of the author Kilgore Trout and um, and the use of pictures in the novel. So just like all these deeper meaning things that like maybe he meant more by and just like how he used them to like make a deeper meaning in this text and like what makes it really significant text because we all know it's like a historical text and like really important. So the first thing I really wanted to bring up was uh, how he just gives that constant reminder of like how bad the war is. He was mentioning all these good times and like this feast and how they have like an abundance of food because they sent too much food and everything. But what, like during when he was mentioning all the things that they have extra of like chocolate bars that they could eat for days. Uh, then he mentions on page 192 in my book, only the candles and soap were of Ger- German origin. They had a ghostly obsolete similarity the british had no way of knowing but the candles and the soap were made from the fat of rendered jews and gypsies and fairies and communists and other enemies of the state so it goes so that's just like after mentioning all these good things that are like, kind of happening to the POWs, like this yeah this like gift of all this extra food it's and but they're celebrating that. around the candles and uh the soap of the people that killed in the holocaust and, yeah, like, and burned and uh put in the gas chamber and like killed so that's just like a reminder that no matter what part of the war they're still killing and there's still like brutal things happening and it's just interesting that he throws it in this subtle way after mentioning all these good things he just slides in the fact of this war i also have another quote that really gets into that but i feel like it was a lot of things like where a lot of people we you uh, people naturally like to focus towards the good things in life they really like to focus towards the negative like, just like how we were talking about in the beginning, in the last week's episode about how Judson isn't really talked about because it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. There was one part that the Trail of Dorian said on uh, page 30, 233 of my book when they're talking about good and bad events that uh, uh, today we do, on other days, we have wars as horrible as any you've ever seen or read about. There isn't anything we can do about them, so we simply don't look at them. We ignore them. We spend eternity looking at pleasant moments, today, like today at the zoo. So basically, like mm-hmm. from that part, the Trail for Dorians are talking about how they have war, but they don't really try and talk about that. They only focus on the part where they're at peace. Yeah, just like so the, that's that's like the Dresden talk we had last week. There's always, there's always we don't there's, focus on the bad times. Exactly, we always focus on the good parts, and like we always try and like sort of a way push away and sort of shy away from talking about them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, um. I also, uh, Vonnegut also uses throughout the chapter like. Or not throughout the chapters, but throughout the entire um, novel, of like he reuses, he rep- repeats a lot of stuff. He really emphasizes repetition. So, like we were just saying about the repetition of a constant reminder of war, the constant reminder of like where they are. But like he also um, repeats a lot of words and phrases. So obviously, the most well-known one is "so it goes." Um, he repeats that a lot. Um, but there's also other words and phrases of like reminders, like um, he repeats the like blue and ivory 
to this like describe multiple things uh you usually being like feet and how like even when he's at home back in his uh about to be abducted by the aliens you know his blue his feet blue and ivory still like are still with him like from when he was in the war walking through the freezing forest and um he also repeats like the um. Like, yeah, the phrase, um, like, when uh, Billy Pilgrim is confused. That just shows Billy Pilgrim's, like, unsured in the situation. Yeah, and, like, like he's how always, he wasn't ready for this. He's movie. always not prepared, and um, he always says the same thing. So, uh, Bonnie really, like, pushes the repetition of uh, certain things as constant reminders. Yeah, so, Bonnie definitely, like, loves to give those reminders of, like, war and just other stuff, like, th- happening throughout the text. Uh, also, like, what he uses in the text to, like, convey messages, like, the pictures he used in the novel, I thought those were, like, really important. Uh, so, one of the pictures was the picture... Of the grave. Of the gravestone that said... Yeah, the derby. Was that... Yeah. It was, like, everything was beautiful. Uh, something. Everything was beautiful and nothing hurt. And nothing hurt. Yeah. So, just, like, adding a pic... Like, we hadn't seen a picture the whole text up until that moment. So... That's definitely something significant to, like, talk about and an interesting strategy for a book like this to, like, just... Well, I think we saw a picture earlier, actually, um, about said, the like, bathroom. Keep yeah. The, yeah, yeah, keep yeah. the bathroom clean. But just, there's only been, like, three three pictures. Yeah, so sex, not like, a lot. It's, like... When I they come like up, they're kind of important. Yeah, I feel like it's, like, a look into Billy's mind and how he's, like, actually picturing stuff. But, you know, I don't know. That's just a, that's just a guess. But, you know. Yeah. Uh, and then he also threw in the one later in the text about, uh, oh, that one wasn't as like, it was just a basic sign kind of sign. Yeah. But, uh, also, uh, during this discussion, like Kilgore Trout, it seems like he's really in tune to like the head yeah. author and like, kind of seems like he relates to him like some way and they're like on the same level. Yeah. Cause, so, uh, Billy talks of how, uh, Kilgore Trout uh, describes these animals or these aliens as like almost looking familiar to the Trout Femidorians that he's seen. And he also speaks of how Kilgore Trout writes. He says he lacks prose, but his ideas are like extremely good. But and that's like what's able to keep people reading his books. So, like, what? it's a possibility that Kilgore Trout himself is, uh, it has been one of the people abducted by the Trout Femidorians, and this experience was so like unworldly, unworldly to him that um he's unable to put it to words properly, and that's why his prose is so off. But also, it's why his ideas are so good because he's been enlightened by these you know fourth dimension seeing aliens. Yeah, like yeah, and he feels like he has to write sort of similar to how. Uh... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or... so they're definitely have, like similar writing styles, and like people that see the same thing, like. I feel like only war veterans can see, like, and relate to the same thing. Yeah, like, the war. Like, I don't even know if he's a war veteran, but, like, we can't really relate to someone with PTSD and, like, going through this experience. But being constantly yeah, like, berated with these thoughts. Or, like, these thoughts of a different dimension and mm-hmm. maybe people with these similar ideas, like, they're just going to connect in that, that sort of sense. And he conveys that through his writing about, like, mentioning the importance of this text to him. So maybe he might be an important person like throughout the story that like he refers to. Uh, so also what I want to get like just emphasizes throughout this chapter. Uh, he just 
shows like a lot of strategies to like emphasize Billy Pilgrim's like struggles, but he continues to use the time travel, which is I know something one of the strategies we talked about last week. Still like time traveling a ton and like almost more, yeah, a lot more. Uh, So it's just interesting to see like the progression, but you're also seeing the stories start to like come together through all this. Like, yeah, he's he's telling like almost three different time periods, like. The pre-war 19th, stuff. Yeah. Well, and yeah, the, pre-war, mid-war. Well, he's already kind of... like, 1968. Like, yeah, like the after-war kind of stuff. But the mid, mid-war mid stuff's definitely developing with, like, them already in the shelter. Like, he's fully captured. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see, like, how that progresses more. And, like, he, I feel like all at one time he's going to bring the whole story together, like, every single mm-hmm. part of his life, up until, like, the maybe, like, even the day Billy Pilgrim dies that he like already knows. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see like what strategies he uses to like further convey the story and like uh, just the message he's kind of convey like about the war and just Billy Pilgrim's life. So next we'll be having our third and final segment of the day, followed by another amazing song that we've been learning a lot about is kind of relevant to our semester. This is America by Childish Gambino. And following that song, we'll be talking about the splitting up of America that Vonnegut mentions in chapter six. All right. So now for our third segment, third and final segment of this episode, uh, the splitting up of America, which Vonnegut mentions in chapter six. This was a very interesting, kind of uh, creepy almost. Yeah. That he mentions like America's splitting up so much. So just like introduce this topic to all our listeners out there. It's on page 278 of my book. So uh, this text states, or Vanya states, at the time of his death, he says, in, he is in Chicago to address a large crowd on the subject of flying saucers and true nature of time. His home is still in Ilium. Uh, he has to cross three international boundaries in order to reach Chicago. The United States of America has been balkanized, has been divided into 20 petty nations, so it will never be a threat to the world again. Chicago has been hydrogen bombed by angry Chinamen. So it goes. It's all brand new. So, like, this was a really important paragraph, I feel like, that, like, the discussion that America has kind of been punished for, like, uh, atomic bomb, the atomic bomb of Japan. And we've been split up into so many different nations. And maybe, like, that be a realistic possibility in the future. Like, maybe America is, like, going to split up. But also, like, like, maybe, like, the discussion, what we did, was it right? And just the whole discussion on the separation in America, whether in many different, like, aspects. So just, like, what, what do you guys think about, like, the possibility of America splitting up and, like, in the fact how they split up into 20 different nations and all that? I already feel like there is a lot of divide in the United States over a lot of different topics. There's political debates. There's racial debates, things like that. There's yeah. always, always going to be different opinions on everything. And that's always going to be lead to a lot of arguments. And I feel like basically tearing out one of those threads sort of like on a delicate thread in the wrong way can lead to this. Mm-hmm. But I don't really feel like that'll happen some anytime really in the near future, maybe in like the next, I don't know, maybe 30, 40 years. But I'm not I'm not really sure about that. Yeah. I don't know about like America splitting up just because like political issues. Per yeah. se, like, But it's an interesting discussion like. It kind of makes us realize what other nations think of us. Like, yeah, with the China incident, like, we just think, like, ah, we did it to win the war. But there's probably still a lot of, like, still discussion. Like, they might have retaliated and, like, maybe what that could have done to this nation. Like, 
the city of Chicago, where we live, that's was in completely, the, that's out of the country. Yeah, it was completely ab- obliterated. So just like a thinking, like, what if a nation like retaliated against us? Because we know like we're fighting like terrorism, and we think like we obviously know that's good, but like when we're also like bombing civilian like places Lies, sometimes. Yeah. We kind of overlook the fact that other nations kind of hate us. Like, mm-hmm. like some nations really hate Americans and, like, how that might lead to us divide. So, like, what Vonnegut says that we never, like, are a threat again. So, like, it's interesting to think of the United States as a threat to some people and, like, yeah. something we never really view ourselves as. Yeah, some people do truly hate the United States. Because, you know, yeah. the, 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 the atomic bomb in the bombings of Japan and Nagasaki and Hiroshima, like, people are still kind of being affected by those because, like, yeah. the radiation yeah. that those bombs cause. Yeah. And that, like, just, like, that's it, that's a lasting effect. Like, people are still, like, people getting cancer and things like that. And that this is something that happened 70 years ago, more than that. Yeah. And it's still, and so it's, it's kind of hard to think, to, like, know whether or not this was the right thing to do. What's <laughs> also interesting to see is, um, how he speaks of this, um, of him traveling through the international borders in 1976, whereas um, I think he is, like, when he's, like, just practicing optometry normally, uh, and I think either 1962 or 1968, yeah. and it's just interesting to see, like, how um, he speaks of, like, this drastic change of going from one solid nation to going into 20 separate um, individual countries or sovereign nations. Yeah, so, petty nations, he Petty them. nations, so it's like... Yeah. You know, in the, in that short amount of time, whether it be fourteen or eighteen or eight years, like um, how much America went through, and like if it's possible of you know if like just in a short amount of time, how drastic things can change, whether it be like environmentally with like global warming and everything, or like literally like, a matter of four year or fourteen years, we could have you know four presidents, which all brings like new things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just like an interesting way to look at it. I also think that Vonnegut's also pointing that like a lot of people kind of see the United States or like a lot of Americans see the United States as an extremely strong country and that like nothing will never happen to it. It'll always be a strong nation. Yeah, we spend like, yeah, like, like we have a lot of nationalism. So much money on our military. And, yeah. and, I, and like he's sort of noting that like with like the, the amount like the nuclear weapons stuff like from currently today, if someone were to bomb the United States, it, it could have disastrous effects on the country and oh my on the whole be, world because yeah. mm-hmm. if they bomb us and we're bombing them back and i know we saw this one chart in our history class that we have easily enough atomic bomb like atomic hydrogen bombs. and atomic yeah, bombs to destroy to the world put the world in a blackout <laughs> yeah and no sun would ever get through scientists like, estimate that like only 13 uh bombs of like you know our biggest bombs whatever hydrogen bombs um, if they're properly placed, only 13 bombs would be required to wipe out humanity, whether that be through blackout, the physical explosions, or, like, After effects. After some effects. other effects. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think it'd be one of that, like, how you mentioned, like, the United States split up so quick, and, like, the United States quick, uh, splitting up, I think it would definitely just be, like, one big event. It wouldn't be, like, a long process of, like, these individual countries or states wanting to like leave and stuff it would be like one event that really tears people apart and it's just interesting to think whether or not that could like really happen to us because i i don't know because like 
when one tragic event happened, like nine eleven, obviously that wasn't like Chicago getting absolutely obliterated like by a hydrogen bomb, like I said. Exactly. But that actually like brought American together. But like it's interesting to see like maybe if we go through a hard time like that, it splits us apart and like by other countries really coming after America. Mm-hmm. How how they want that? us yeah. to break down and like crumble under their pressure. So just like other countries, like what we talked about, other countries hating us, they want us to give in under their pressure and just stuff like that. It's kind of hard to see how we, we how would we react because sort of with like with nine eleven as an example, it's sort of that only have affected like mainly people in New York and maybe family members from like, mm-hmm. but like something like nuclear could like that would affect the entire world. Like oh, no yeah. one, no one will be like coming out of that fine and like still like being able to live their lives. Everyone would be sort of feeling the consequences of that. And it's, it's kind of hard. It's kind of crazy to imagine that just a simple or it's not really simple, but like, like just a quick decision of deciding to do something like that can lead to basically the end of the world or close to it. Yeah. I think one bad move <laughs> by any world leader would could really like could really chaos. mess up the world. And like whether that's other countries coming after America or just maybe even like we discussed earlier, like some of the actions that America does other country doesn't like it could really affect other nations and stuff like that because like we could mention how like other countries like have split up because of us maybe and just like all these big wars we've had how they've affected so many other countries and just uh that that might be a realistic possibility for america but also like the tragedies that could come out of like a huge mm-hmm. war and stuff like that so I think that was a really great discussion yeah, on a, all those talks. All our talks. Great talk. One, the splitting up of America, and then just like all of the strategies we want to get uses, and then also like free will, which obviously we would like to believe we all have. But, but yeah. thanks for joining us again, the Nerd Herd. Thanks for joining us for this great episode. And to leave you out with another bop, as Justin Darwin loves to say, yes, Sir. Good Riddance by Green Day. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope to. Have you, you listening? Have you listening to us next week? Time for me to gamble now. <laughs> yeah. yeah.